Today is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Fourth Sunday in Advent. Advent simply means the coming, the expectation of. And so we are in this season of expecting the, the coming, of the, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We talked about uh, meeting Jesus, uh, hearing Jesus, um, and, and, and following Jesus. Today we're going to talk about worshiping Jesus. Worshiping Jesus. We love, um, we do love Christmas. I mean, if you don't love Christmas, they write songs about you. Right? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, um, you, you can't, you can't, like, you're not allowed to be grumpy at Christmas. You've got to love the season. It's sort of a lot of pressure on you, on you for that. Um, I do honestly feel a little bit bad for those folks who follow other religions that don't decorate for Christmas because they think, I, I know you're a nice person, but everybody thinks you're a Grinch this Christmas. It's, it's a little sad, but, but Christmas can be stressful. Christmas can be stressful depending on, on your season of life. Uh, particularly, maybe you're buying gifts for your kids or grandkids, or you've, you've got several Christmas events and, and family dinners to get to. Maybe you're maybe you're flying some college kids home uh, for Christmas. We're doing one of those this year. Maybe you're maybe you're worried about the money that you're spending. Um, it, it's so easily that it happens that you just kind of get caught up in the business and the busyness of Christmas, and you get through it, and it's over so fast. And you're like, oh, that's it. That that's all there was. That went by so fast. Um, I remember one year, our, our kids were pretty young. We were way too busy in, in ministry and money was tight and, and we were just trying to keep up with everything at, at Christmas. And I will tell you this story because I, I'm not proud of this. This is sort of confession time. Um, but for the larger family gathering Christmas um, on my wife's side, I, I had asked Becky, I said, can you just buy your own present this year and wrap it? I'm so busy. Um, and so I remember sitting there on the sofa beside her and her family's all gathered around and she's about to open her present. I said, what did I get you for Christmas? Because I had to act like, oh, yeah, I picked that out, you know, and had to kind of play the charade. And, and uh, at that point, I just thought, no, this is this is ridiculous. We have I have got my priorities all out of all out of shape uh, this year. Well, we would never admit openly that that Jesus isn't our priority at the Christmas Season, because we all know that Jesus is the reason for the season, right? You see that everywhere. It's on cards and bumper stickers and sweaters, and and it's true. Jesus is the reason for the season. But in actual practice, if we're honest, sometimes Jesus is a reason for the season, but not necessarily the reason for the season. Truthfully, I, I would ask you to to think about this. Does does Christmas? And the, the message and the events of Christmas really prompt you to be in awe, to be in wonder of Jesus the Savior. See, when we read about the birth of Jesus in the Bible, you know, before, you know, we added the rituals of decorating and Santa and evergreen trees and, and, uh, you know, before it became Christmas, Christmas is not a Bible word in case you're wondering and, if you'll just Google origins of Christmas, you, it'll leave you a little unsettled. You'll think, oh man, really? Oh, there, you know, there's a lot of things that you kind of wish weren't part of kind of how we celebrate Christmas. But, you know, it's a sanctified event for us. We enjoy it. Um, but when you read it in the Bible, you see the, the raw reactions of the first people 
on earth who met Jesus right after his birth. Now, only two, there, there's, at the beginning of the New Testament, there's four books that we call Gospels. They're the, the story of Jesus, the telling of the good news of Jesus. And of those four, only two of those authors record the birth of Jesus. Those are Matthew and Luke. All four record the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, but only two record his birth. And those two tell the story a little bit differently, but the event is the same. But here's what's really, really cool about how both Matthew and Luke tell the story. Everyone who encountered Jesus, the newborn Jesus, either praised God immediately or they worshipped Jesus immediately. They either praised God or they worshipped Jesus. And so we're going to look at those two um, episodes from Luke first and then from Matthew. And so if you've got a Bible with you, I'd like you to find Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 8. And this is saying the account of the shepherds. If you drove through Bethlehem and uh, this week, you will have seen all those shepherds and, and the beautiful angels out there. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to do. If, you, if you're using that Red Church Bible, we're on page 851. And around here, we like to stand for the reading of God's Word. Let's please stand together. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, why don't you go ahead and see if you can find Matthew chapter 2. You're going to be a couple books to the left. Matthew, Mark, Luke. So go two books to the left and find Matthew chapter 2. See, not only were the shepherds praising God, but six weeks after this episode that we just read, six weeks later, Mary and Joseph, as was the, the, the teaching, the custom of the Jewish people, they brought Jesus to the temple for his dedication where he was greeted. Get this. He walks into the temple and there's two very godly senior citizens who, who meet Jesus at that, at that moment. One was named Simeon, a man named Simeon, and a prophetess named Anna. And both of them burst into praise. To God as soon as they met Jesus. So you got the shepherds, you got Simeon, you got Anna, they all, they meet Jesus. What do they do? They're praising God. So you can read their story in Luke chapter 2. And then before we talk more about the shepherds, we're going to talk about these other visitors that we sometimes call them the wise men. They're, they're really, the Bible word is magi, and we're not really sure what that 
word quite means. Um, sometimes they're called the kings. We, we talk about three of them because there's three gifts, but we don't know how many there were. We don't know where they were from. We don't really quite know kind of what they were. Perhaps, uh, you know, astrologers or advisors to their king of some distant Arabian homeland. But we know that they traveled a great distance. And so let's read their story in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 1 of Matthew 2. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's be seated together. Pretty amazing events. It's possible that the wise men came as late as perhaps close to two years after the birth of Jesus. We we know that because after this event, when Herod realized that Magi had not come back and reported to him, He sent out death squads and they slaughtered all the male children under two years of age. And so that was sort of the the timeline that he was working with. And so we think, okay, that's how that how that happens. We hear stories like that today and it just it's great. It brings us great grief. You can only imagine what was happening in the town at that time. So we have these two small visiting groups, distinctly different, right? And yet very similar in the response to the newborn Savior. You've got the Magi who, who see Jesus, they get down and they worship Him. And you've got the shepherds who praise God because of having just met Jesus. Praise and worship. Is there a difference? If there's a difference, does it matter? Well, we use those words pretty interchangeably. On Sunday mornings, we talk about singing praise and worship. We have a praise songs, we have a worship team. Um, those are pretty uh, interchangeable words for us. But there is a difference, and I think that difference is worth recognizing or noting um, for us this morning. Praise. What is praise? Praise is calling attention to someone's qualities or someone's virtue. Right. So, for example, a, a teacher may praise a student by calling attention to their good work. They send a note home to the parents. They say, Dexter's doing great work in school. And, and that's giving a little bit of praise for the, the good work that he does. And, and they, they're, you know, that's what a teacher can do. So that's praise is calling attention. Well, to praise God is to call attention to God's deeds, to God's greatness, to his glory, to his 
answers to prayer, to his accomplishments, to his creation, all those things. We're giving praise to God for what he's done, for who he is, calling attention to him. Now, worship, worship while similar, worship is the act of giving honor or paying homage directly to uh, someone or something. All right. A person or object. So praise is about God. Worship is to God. I think there's a big difference. Now, we can bring our praise to God as well, and we can tell others about our worship to God. But generally, worship is expressed to God. Praise is generally expressed about God. Um, Both are an act of sacrifice. Both praise and worship, for them to have value, should cost us something. It's it's not not free in that sense. It, It takes an effort or cost to give, bring praise or to worship. And as we've said before, we, I think we talked about this last week, that only God is worthy of our worship. No person is worthy to be bowed down to, to be worshipped. And so it's, it's really interesting that when the Magi enter the house where Jesus is, they follow the star, they get there, they walk in the house, they bow down. Do you notice that nobody stops them and say, hey, no, 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 get up, get up, get up. You guys, you're our honored guests. I mean, especially in a Palestinian or, um, you know, Asian culture like that, you would honor your guests. But here you have the guests honoring the host. That's a complete reversal of how things would typically work for them. And no one stops them and says, no, no, this is just a baby boy. Don't worship him. No, it's a parent, Right. To them, to everyone around, that there's something special about this child. Otherwise, it would be unacceptable to bring worship to any but God. And so let me say it this way. Praise is calling attention to God's greatness. And worship is giving honor to God himself. Praise is bringing attention to God's greatness. Worship is giving honor to God himself. Obviously, it's more nuanced than that. And there's, you know, you could go deeper into those descriptions. But that's kind of a simplified um, kind of description or explanation of those things. Now, because of how God made you, how God created you, you are made to worship. It's in you to worship. We all worship something. We all worship something. We all bring our praise. But we're made to worship God. So, so when our worship is misplaced, you know what happens? We get dissatisfied on the inside. We're, we're left unresolved. We're left unhappy. We have an unmet need when we're giving our, our attention, right? When we're drawing great attention to things that are not God. When we're paying homage to objects or people that are not God. That leaves us dissatisfied. And Christmas is an easy time to get this mixed up. Let me give you an example of this. The other day I was at the credit union. And I know you're really not supposed to eavesdrop. I'm terrible about eavesdropping. Uh... It's just a weakness I have. I love hearing what other people are talking about. <laughs> Am I the only one? Really? Oh, I love it. Did you know when I was a kid, we grew up in a, in a rural area, and we had, our phones were on what was called a party line. Did anybody have a party line growing up? And so people, you would be on the phone with your friend or something, and you could tell someone else, some other neighbor, and you never know who else was on your party line. Someone else is listening in on your conversation. It's terrible. But um, it's also fun. Um, anyway, so I'm at the credit union the other day, and there's, there's a guy, and I apologize if, if I didn't really look at who it was. So if it's you, um, just keep your hat low, and, and we just I don't know who you are. So um, he was saying to the, the 
they were having this little conversation about, yeah, it's really expensive having Christmas. And do you have kids? Because, boy, especially when you have kids. And so he was draining everything out of his account. Well, leave $80 in that one and, and leave 50 in that one. And he was draining his account so he could, what he felt like, give a good Christmas to his kids. For him, I, I would say, in a sense, the object of his, of his worship was maybe his kids or his kids' happiness. And somehow he was pinning, he was pinning his hopes on whatever presence that will break or wear out or whatever they will do. He was pinning his hopes on those things, somehow providing happiness, somehow resolving something in him and uh, for the sake of his kids. And I, you know, my heart just went out to this guy. My heart just was just aching for him because I think he's going to be really disappointed after Christmas because he literally put all his treasure into making his kids happy with presents. And I predict he's going to be stressed out when it's time to pay the bills because material goods won't satisfied. They're fun. That's great to enjoy them, right? Our children's happiness won't satisfy us. We love seeing our kids happy. We love seeing our grandkids happy. It's really enjoyable, but that doesn't satisfy a deep inner need. It's an example of misplaced worship. Because here, whatever commands the best of my treasure or the first fruits of my treasure is the object of my worship. Whatever commands the best of my treasure is the, is the object of my worship. Jesus put it this way. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where you place your treasure, that's where your heart is. And so Jesus says, so place your treasure in the things of God. Place your, place your treasure in the things of heaven. And I, and I wonder if you're placing your hope in the right things this Christmas. I mean, is, is Jesus the object of your worship and the reason for your praise. Is Jesus the object of your worship, the, you know, where, who you worship and the reason for your praise to God? Because the object of your worship and the reason for your praise, this is really, really important. The object of your worship and the reason for your praise have to be big enough, have to be strong enough, have to be holy enough, have to be solid enough, have to be eternal enough to meet your inner need. Whatever you're placing your hopes in has to be bigger than your inner needs. Has to be more eternal than what your inner needs are. Has to be more, more reliable, more dependable, more faithful, more true, more trustworthy than what's going on on the inside of you. Because anything else is temporary. Even, even my own family members, they're t- they're t- it's for this life. The things I buy, the things I enjoy are, are, are temporary and do not deserve the glory because the object of my worship has to, it has to be big enough to receive the praise. It, to, to, it has to have the ability to meet my deepest needs. And only God can do that. Only God can meet the deepest needs of your heart. That's why only he is worthy of your praise. Everything else is temporary. Not that we don't enjoy those things. God has also given us all things to enjoy, but they cannot be the object of our praise. Well, let's get back to the shepherds and the Magi. Luke 2.20 says this, that the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. So the experience for them of meeting Jesus caused them to praise God and to tell others about the Savior. Right? They saw the child. They, they leave that place. 
Oh, man, praise God. God, this is awesome. Hallelujah. You know, they're praising God. They're telling everybody they meet. Right? They're joyful. You can just sense there's a... It doesn't say they were joyful, but you can sense it out of the page. There was such joy as they went. Praise, you know, can be spoken to God. We learn from this. Praise can be spoken to each other. Isn't God good? Isn't that amazing what God's done? Praise can be spoken to outsiders. Hey, I just got to, you know, that's one of the things we did these last four days out here. We, we invited people to see this whole experience because we're praising God, saying, isn't it good what God has done? You can praise, speak praise to yourself, right? Sometimes the psalmist says, oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Come on, soul, praise the Lord. Sometimes you just really have to tell yourself, come on, you can do this. God's good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that, that's kind of that whole range. And then just a couple of verses earlier in verse 15, we read that, they, that it said that when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, I just love this immediate response by the shepherds, right? It's just spontaneous, like, well, let's go. Um, let's go see if this is true. Because obviously, okay, seeing an angelic host, yes, amazing uh, they were uh, they were frightened because the shepherd had to say, "Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. It should be for all people." Um, make sure you watch uh, Charlie Brown Christmas this year at some point, and you'll get to see Linus telling that scripture passage right there. Love that, right? But they still could have made excuses, saying, "Well, we've got to watch the sheep tonight." But first thing tomorrow morning, we should head over there. Yeah, yeah. Let's go tomorrow. Let's get a good rest tonight. You know, that was pretty alarming and I'm a little unsettled. I I need some sleep. Let's go in the morning. No. Immediately they get up and go. I love that about those guys. Spontaneous, joyful worship. So it tells me this, that praise is joyful and spontaneous. So if you're wondering, okay, well, how do I praise? What should praise look like in my life? How do I do this? How do I meet that inner deep longing in my heart, those places that are unsatisfied and unsettled? Bring your joyful and spontaneous praise to the one the only one who can meet the deepest needs of your heart, you bring that to God. You bring your praise that's joyful and spontaneous. They couldn't not praise God for what they had heard and seen. And I wonder if you've ever experienced something like that, a spontaneous word of praise to God. Ever ever had someone run a red light just as you're about to enter the intersection, the car goes, and you, you know, do you go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You just saved my life. Praise you, Lord. That's spontaneous praise. Did you just cuss the other person out as they drove by? That would not be spontaneous praise. Now, maybe you did a little of both, but, but bring your praise to God. Those spontaneous moments, right? Um, you, you know, maybe, um, maybe in this recent year you've, you've seen God answer some prayers or how God provided for you in a, in a way you didn't expect or, or you just witnessed God at work in someone else's life or, you know, I just wonder, is your response to say in a spontaneous way, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Man, isn't God good? Spontaneous and joyful. That's the, those are the hallmarks of praise. Right? Um, next Sunday is Christmas Day. And uh, in our worship service at what time? 10 o'clock. In uh, our Christmas service next week, rather than a message... Uh, along with um, scripture and, and songs, I want to give you the opportunity to share or to give praise to God through a brief testimony. We'll do an open mic time, and I would encourage you to come prepared to, to just speak how God's been at work in your life this year, how you've seen him answer a prayer, 
maybe a healing or a miracle or something you're continuing to trust God for. So that's what we're going to do next week. We'll have an open mic time because I want to give you the opportunity to bring your joyful, spontaneous praise to God. So that's next Sunday on Christmas morning service. I want us to be like the shepherds, spontaneous and joyful in praise. Why? Because we are always in the presence of Jesus. They entered the presence of Jesus. They responded in praise. We are ever in the presence of Jesus. So we can always be filled with praise. Now, the Magi, Magi are a little different. Their response is, is a little different. We read that they traveled a long distance, right? After having studied the, the movements of the stars and they recognized this and they decided it was deemed it was significant. So they planned their trip. They prepared. They invested. They brought costly gifts. Um, their gifts were prophetic in a sense. I don't know if they knew, knew that themselves, but gold you know, symbolizes um, Jesus' future reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Frankincense is symbolic of, of the worship of deity, that, that Jesus is God. Um, myrrh is, uh, is a burial spice, so it's symbolic of his, of his death and resurrection. Those are prophetic gifts. But when they finally arrived, they bowed down in worship. It's a different kind of response, isn't it? So while the, joy, the shepherds are joyful and spontaneous, the Magi approached with forethought and with intentionality. Um, I would say they were deliberate and generous in their worship. So my, my question is too, is my worship generous and deliberate? I can go to that slide as well. Generous and deliberate. That's the nature of worship. Generosity is an attitude. But generosity is also action. Uh, we need both. All right? We want to have... Can I be generous in our attitude toward people, generous with grace toward people, but also um, generosity is also includes opening our wallet, helping those in need, giving to 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 the Lord uh, from what he's given to us. Um, Worship is so much more than the words we say. Notice that there's a posture there. Almost always worship has this posture of bowing down, submitting ourselves, yielding ourselves before the object of our worship. So if I'm worshiping Jesus, that means I'm going to choose to, to hold loosely to the things of this world. Holding loosely to money and stuff. And that's also not easy to do at Christmas time when there's just so much pressure to purchase and to buy and to spend and to put it on the credit card. So worship is deliberate. Right. And it's generous. Is my worship of the Lord intentional and free-flowing generous to him one of the one of the things i often encourage you know we didn't talk really about tie this into music music is one of the ways we as when we gather that we often express our praise and our worship to god but one of the things i often encourage when i'm leading worship with people is is have a physical posture of openness and generosity and intentionality before the Lord and joy. That's why often we encourage people to raise your hands in worship. Why? Not only because the Bible says to do it, but because it's an act of, Lord, I am, I am submitting to you. I'm, I'm, this is a generous posture toward God. A position of yielding and opening myself to Him. And there are other, other ways that we express our generosity. So, here's the challenge for you. As you're entering this final kind of week of, well, let's call this the 12 days of Christmas. You can celebrate it up to Epiphany on January 6th, if you'd like. I think that's a great idea. 
here's the challenge. If life is, if there's any portion of life that is somehow unsettled or unsatisfying to you, could it be that the object of your praise and worship are misplaced? Are you looking for your happiness in something other than the Lord? Are you looking for your happiness or your settledness in something other than Jesus? Because as I said earlier, the object of your worship and the reason for your praise has to be big enough to meet the internal needs, the deep needs of your of your soul. Otherwise, they simply do not deserve all the glory and the attention that we give them. Right? Does the object of your worship and the reason for your praise have the ability to meet those deep needs? Don't let your life kind of orbit around the unstable sun of money or material goods or even family or even tradition, all of which are fine and good gifts from the Lord. Listen to me. All those great things that God's given you are gifts from Him meant to be enjoyed. Enjoy them this season. Enjoy getting with your family. Enjoy unwrapping a present. I hope you enjoy giving gifts this Christmas. All those things are, are, are wonderful gifts from God. If you can afford them, right? stay within your means. Right? But those things aren't your ultimate satisfaction. Right? Make Jesus the object of your worship and the reason for your praise. As Jesus says to us in Matthew 6.33, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Everything you need. Maybe some practical steps as you're, as you're thinking into these next several days. Um, you know, when we gather as a church on Sunday or other times, um, just make it your plan and your intention to praise God, to, to participate joyfully and generously, whether we're singing or talking to one another as you're having connection time, I encourage you to do more than just talk about the weather. Talk about the good things God's doing, answers to prayer, what you're still trusting Him for, how excited you are that the Lord has done this or that in your life. Right? Choose an attitude of expecting really great things from the Lord. And then maybe in your Christmas celebrations, you know, do your best to, to reject the expectations of the culture to always go bigger and better, bigger and bigger, bigger, better, 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 um, more and more. Because you know there's no long-term satisfaction in that. Again, if you have the means, great. But don't, don't buy into going to debt just to somehow try to keep up or think that's going to make you happy. And then just be intentional, be thoughtful. Think about what, where, where am I really bowing down in my life? Like where in my life am I doing this? Is it to my job? Is it to my money? To my spouse? To tradition? Where am I, where am I doing this? And say, I want to do this to Jesus alone. Well, if we've got uh, any questions, um, let's take a little, we've got a little time to answer those today. Okay, a couple questions today regarding praise and worship. First question, is it a sin to half-heartedly worship and praise? Second part to that, is any praise and worship acceptable to God if it's about Him? Yeah. Is it a sin? What do you think about that one, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, okay. I think, I think that um, it's about our heart. So wherever you're at and whatever you, whatever you have... That you can give honestly to God, that's acceptable to Him. Uh, God values honesty and transparency about who you are, not faking it 
to make it. So if you're honest in your worship to God, that's acceptable. If, if, it's, if it's not really coming from your heart, then it's not really worship, is it? So God cares about your heart's attitude. Yeah, I, I would, and I would, I would also, I would push that a little bit further to say there are those times when I don't feel like it, right? And recognize that God has given you a new heart as a as a believer. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you're a new creation. You have a new heart. So it may be more from your heart than you realize, but you may not feel like it. Like oh, I'm tired. I don't like the song. I don't feel like speaking up. I don't. You know, we're going around the circle and saying, so what's something you praise God for this year? And then you're coming up to your turn at the table. I can't think of it. So there are times when you, in a sense, participate where you do grab yourself by the lapels and you say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so is it a sin to be half-hearted? No, but is which direction are you moving, in a sense? Yeah. Along those same lines, here's another question. Is it true worship or praise when it's forced or when you have to drum it up? Yeah, that's kind of related same, to that, right? So... You know, sometimes you you start into something and then the the rest of the train follows. That happens too. Yeah. Last question: Is praise or worship better than the other? Is one better than the other? Yeah, that's a, that's also good. Psalm 100 says, "I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. In my heart, I will enter his courts with praise." So, um, you know, they they are nuanced a little differently, and I don't think you can say one's better than the other and one's more important. I think they're I think both praise and worship are necessary because praise does something about kind of setting my tongue free to talk about God. Worship is a little more internal, a little bit more, uh, you know, between me and the Lord. So I can worship the Lord, but it's really great to be able to say, man, isn't it good what God has done? So I think they are a little different, but I think they're both highly, uh, highly important. Um, Yeah, well, I've also really enjoyed being able to try to tackle some questions week by week. We're going to take a break from that for a while, but we'll come back to it again. I appreciate your feedback. If you if you have some thoughts about if this has been helpful or not, just um, I appreciate you letting me know if this, is, uh, if this is a good practice for you. Church, let's stand together as we prepare to close in prayer. I love Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the gifts. I love the lights. I, I, I enjoy it all. But let's just, let's just make a decision this season together. Not to let those things be Christmas. Those things aren't actually Christmas. Those are trappings that, that, are, that are fun. But Jesus is Christmas. And if you, if you didn't put up a tree and you didn't put up any lights... But you're worshiping Jesus. That's even better. That just, it just doesn't matter. You worship Jesus. Make Him the object of your worship and the reason for your praise. Everything else will fall into place. But hey, if you're one of those that goes all out and the whole place is just, you know, PG&E is, you know, a little worried about your home, that's fine. Enjoy it while you can. And go with LED lights next year or something. Let's bow, let's bow as we close. Father, we, we thank you for sending Jesus. We've said it, but we'll keep saying it. Uh, we're grateful that you sent Jesus. Jesus, we're glad that you're obedient to the Father and you came for our benefit. That you lived with us. You, you were obedient all the way to the cross. 
God, we thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. And so what we celebrate, the birth of, of Jesus, the incarnation, Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would help us to celebrate that in a, in a fresh way this season. Help us to celebrate that in a joyful, spontaneous, deliberate, generous way. Because you deserve all the praise. Um, Lord, help us just to be those kind of people. We thank you for the good things you're doing. We give you our praise in your name. Amen.